0: Chapter Thirty of Ideala. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Ideala by Sarah Grand. Chapter Thirty. We soon found that Ideala, having at last put her hand to the plough, worked with a will. And although she was true to her principle that a woman's best work is done beneath the surface, I think her own labors will eventually make themselves felt with a good result in the world but the life she has chosen for herself is martyrdom, and her womanly shrinking from the suffering she would alleviate is never lessened by use. Yet she does not waver. Other women admire her devotion and follow in her footsteps. They do not doubt that she has chosen the better part, but I fancy that most men who have seen her draw the little children about her and forget everything for a moment but her delight in them have felt that there must be something wrong in the world when such a woman misses her vocation, and has to scatter her love to the four winds of heaven for want of an object upon which to concentrate it in all its strength." I do not know if her feeling for Lorimer has changed. My sister declares in her positive way that of course it has, completely, but my sister is not always right. Ideala has never mentioned his name since she returned to us, nor given us any other clue by which we could judge. Only on one occasion, when some allusion was made to the course she had intended to pursue in the past, she exclaimed, "'Oh, how could I?' and covered her face with her hands. From where I sit just now I can see her walking up the avenue. She is as straight as an arrow, young-looking and fresh. Her step is firm and light and elastic, and she moves with an easy grace, only possible when every muscle is unconstrained. Her dress is a work of art, light in weight, but rich in color and texture. What a beautiful woman, I think, involuntarily. I see her daily, and pay her that tribute every time we meet, for age cannot wither her, nor custom stale, her infinite variety. Her intellect and selflessness preserve her youth. She has changed, certainly." She has arisen and can return no more to the lower walks, to the old purposeless life and desultory ways, but yet she is the same ideala and holds you always expectant, you who see beneath the surface. The world will call her cold and self-contained till the end, and so she is and will be, a snow-crowned volcano with wonderful force of fire working within. And she will not stop where she is, there is something yet to come, some further development, something more, something beyond, and she makes you feel that there is what she says of other women is true of herself do not stand in their way she begs do not hinder them above all do not stop them they are running water if you check them they stagnate and you must suffer yourself from their noisome exhalations for the moral nature is like water it must have movement and air and sunshine to stay corruption and keep it sweet and wholesome and its movement is good works its air faith in their efficiency its sunshine the evidence of this and hope comparative anatomists have proved that the human brain from its first appearance as a semi-fluid and shapeless mass passes in succession through the several structures that constitute the permanent and perfect brains of fishes reptiles birds and mammalia but ultimately it passes beyond them all and acquires a marvellous development of its own and so it is with the human soul It must rise through analogous stages, and add to its own strength and beauty by daily bread of love and thought, growing to greatness by help of these ailments only, and reaching ultimately to such perfection as we cannot divine, for the end is not here. But we might reach it sooner than we do, were it not for our own impatience. Growth is so exquisitely minute, it bursts upon us as an accomplished fact. We know this, and yet we would see the process, and not seeing it we lose faith, waver, hesitate, stop, and recoil. A going back, born to thee, it is with the choicier spirits, but we all are deficient in hope, all have our retrograde moments of despair. We do not look about us enough to see what is being done for others, how they are progressing, by what strange paths they are led. We keep our eyes on our own ground too much, and, because we will not compare cheerfully, we think our own way the roughest, our own journey the longest, if there be any end to it at all. Yet all the time we might see the end, if only we would look up. And we need never despair and lag, Need never be cold and comfortless, If we would but love and remember. For, while the tired waves vainly breaking, Seem here no painful inch to gain, Far out through creeks and inlets making, Comes silent, flooding in, the main. Ideala raises her eyes to mine now, And smiles as she passes beneath my window. Another woman, a woman whom Claudia had long refused to know, Is leaning on her arm, talking to her earnestly. And that is Ideala's attitude always, She gathers the useless units of society about her, and makes them worthy women. There is no kind of sorrow for which she has not found comfort, no folly she has not been successful in checking, no vice she has not managed to cure, and no form of despair which she has not relieved with hope. Her own experiences have taught her to sympathize with every phase of feeling, and be lenient to every shortcoming and excess. Wherever she is, you may be sure that another woman is there also, someone with a sorrowful history, probably, and you may be equally sure that she is leaning on Ideala. God bless her. End of chapter 30 End of Ideala by Sarah Grand